On this week's episode of Vice Versa, we're talking about Tesla joining forces with Rivian and Lucid, Tesla increasing pl the prices of the Model S and X, and maybe even a refresh that's coming, Texas installing the largest solar project in the US, California banning ICE cars, and GM paying dealers to ditch the brand. And as always, I'm joined with uh, Ricky. So how you doing, Ricky? Good, Matt. This is a special Thanksgiving episode where I'm second week now in a row that I've been at my parents' house, but I'm going back in a couple of days. And uh, yeah, Thanksgiving was good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? A very good Thanksgiving, yes. Quiet and ate lots of food. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So special announcement before we begin, our podcast is also now live and we'll put a link in the description. So if you want to not look at our beautiful faces and just listen, we'll have another option for you. So <laughs> moving right along, we're on episode three and uh, we have a podcast. So you want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's jump right into it. So the first story, why don't you take this right, one? So the yeah. So the first story is interesting. Um, historically, petroleum companies have had some of the biggest lobbying groups in in any industry. So they have huge, powerful representatives that are in the ears of Congress people in Washington. And now, if all the news that we've been hearing wasn't enough, this is another big move or a big step in the in the world of EVs and sustainable energy. Tesla and Rivian, Lucid Motors, there's others, um, ChargePoint, Uber, have established a lobbying group called Zeta, Z-E-T-A, which stands for the Zero Emissions Transportation Association. And their goal is to push for 100% electric vehicle sales by the end of the decade. And this is one of those things that I hadn't really thought too much about, but it kind of makes sense. And I love seeing some of these companies that people often talk of as rivals coming together in the interest of electric vehicle transportation. And now there's a little bit of more of a level playing field in terms of lobbying power in Washington, which I've yeah. always said, like, I think EVs will win on their own merits, but the, the gas car companies are doing this and ExxonMobil's doing this. So I think this is a good thing. What do you so think? This is a very, yeah, I think this is a very good thing too. It's they've, they've needed to do this all along. So it's really great to see that they're finally kind of pulling the trigger as a group and they're all kind of getting it together to do this. Um, I, but I'm also torn because I don't like lobbying. The fact that we have to have lobbyists at all, is kind of, it drives me nuts, but to fight fire with fire, they have to do this. They have to have a collective voice or they're not going to get heard in Congress. And so it's really nice to see that they're doing this together. Well said. Um, yeah, I wish lobbying wasn't a thing. I wish yeah. <laughs> our industry, our, we're kind of a, I would probably say like a crony capitalism where it's capitalism, but if you have the right friends, then it's not. You get perks and a leg up. But yeah, let's hope that they, um, they have a, more of a balanced standing now. So their goals are um, several fold. Uh, one is incentives for EV purchases. You know, um, companies like Tesla, their tax credits are dwindling down and Eventually, that'll happen to all these manufacturers. Second is enacting stricter fuel economy regulations that will hopefully encourage people to start making more EVs. Creating and, and rolling out a greater charging infrastructure, greater government cooperation towards EV R&D and supply chains, and finally with manufacturing. So imagine like better tax credits or incentives for companies to build manufacturing plants like uh, Lucid Motors is building one in Arizona, for example. So their goal is to have the same kind of subsidies and things in place that gas companies have enjoyed for decades. People don't realize this, but like the oil companies, as if they weren't profitable enough, 
they get tons of subsidies and they get a lot of good perks that um, come from some of these lobbying efforts. So let's hope that they now have a, uh, a fair fight on their hands. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. So do we want to jump to the, the next story? Yes, you're up. Let's go. What do okay. we got? <laughs> so for this one, it's Tesla is increasing the prices of the Model S and the Model X in the EU which is sparking all of these rumors that it could be a refresh is coming. Um, the prices are going up kind of surprising amount. Like the prices are going to be varying depe- depending on the market, but they're going to be going up by about $5,000 euros, 5,000 euros, um, which is about $6,000 in the U.S. Uh, that they're going to be going up. So that's not a small jump. That's a pretty sizable jump. Um, and at the same time, it's kind of like they've been slowly kind of working the prices down in the U.S. It's kind of like going in opposite directions, which is really odd that they're doing it that way. Um, but it's springing all these ideas and rumors around a refresh happening. For me, I don't, I don't know if there is a refresh coming. I think that's kind of like grasping at straws. And I'm wondering if there's something else going on here with the prices going up, like if there's something to do with tariffs or import duties or something along those lines that's causing the prices to go up and it's not going to be a refresh i'm i could be wrong very wrong but uh i i don't know if there's necessarily a refresh coming that's going to be what people are hoping for what do you think yeah, i think part of the reason why people think it's a refresh is this next batch of s's and x's are are, are shipping like march time frame of 2021 so yeah. to people's minds they're thinking okay the prices have gone up and we're not going to see these new batch of cars for three, four, five months. Could it be a refresh? I think it is wishful thinking. I think there's a lot of people that love the S and the X, like me as well. The S does have a little bit more interior room than my three does. The X would be a great car for me potentially. Um, but they kind of look dated at this point. I, I'm not yeah. overly eager to spend like $70,000 on a car design that's that's like five, six years old. And maybe that's our old way of thinking. Like we've historically had cars that have a generational refresh every four or five years. And um, like, let's be honest, the Model S is getting a bit long in the tooth. There's also the potential that the Plaid version could maybe have, maybe in that time frame is a refresh because right. that's a you know, $140,000 car. And yeah. might that be when they refresh it? Again, I think it might just be wishful thinking, but um, but we shall see. Tesla has to eventually upgrade them, right? They can't sell these cars the way they are forever. Um, which also gets into an interesting part, which is Tesla is so new that they're introducing new models, but they actually haven't had a generation two car yet of any of their cars. Nope. And none. realistically, they're probably more focused on the truck and then maybe a van or a hatchback. And so rather than talking gen two, they're still trying to round out their entire lineup. So we shall see. They always do like, small they're always doing incremental upgrades like so it's like i wouldn't be surprised if some of that happens like what they just did with the model 3 where it's they upgraded like the center console from the flip up door to that slide out thing and they've been up changing little things here and there it's like i wouldn't be surprised if that happens but i don't think we're going to see like a wholesale brand new oh my gosh this looks completely different model s and x i I just don't see that happening so i just think people might be it's wishful thinking (laughs) so to to um, to counter that a little bit, potentially there's a couple things at play. Even though the Model Three had those refreshes, the prices didn't go up. I don't think. No, they didn't. And could it be a more substantial upgrade? Maybe the interior dash is changing. They're gonna go with the uh, landscape screen like the Model Three. 
uh, for the S and the X. Like maybe there's a, maybe it's not like the the exterior and the the chassis and the the platform isn't changing, but maybe there's a like a wholesale change coming up. The final thing too is if the the new Roadrunner cells, the new cells that they're they're currently working on in Fremont, that'll eventually move over to Austin. Might that require like a platform change and? might the first cars to get these new cells, um, especially if they're lower volume, be their higher price cars like the S and the X. And so those are the kinds of things at play, but we don't really know a whole lot and we will keep keep track on it. And if new news breaks, we'll cover it in future episodes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the next one that's that's up, I'm gonna toss it to you. So a company called Invenergy, a Chicago-based company is building what will be a 1300 megawatt solar farm in Man. northeastern Texas. Um, this is going to be the the biggest in in Texas. And I think it shows just how important this is going to be. So on the article you have up on the screen, you mentioned how they're going to break down and provide energy for various companies like AT&T and Honda, McDonald's, Google. And they're even going to be po- providing power to various cities in the region. So yep. to my mind, what I kind of thought about is, more increasingly more companies are going to claim to be like carbon neutral like we as a company our warehouses our factories we're carbon neutral you hear apple talk about this a lot and their their spaceship campus is covered in solar panels but reality is maybe every single company might not go the route of going our own panels but instead maybe pull together to build huge installations like this the the cost go down significantly when you can build in this scale um and so Maybe you know you'll start to see this crop up where you have like an Amazon distribution center or different warehouses and a DHL uh, shop. All these companies getting together and saying, rather than all going solar, what if we get these big installations? So, this again is one of those things you talked about where there are no new coal plants. That that's just not a economically viable way to move forward. And so, I think solar panels are going to be a increasingly big part of our our future. Uh, yeah. This to me, it's like I did a video recently about community solar. This to me, when I saw this article was like, this is basically community solar on just a massive scale because it's all these companies and cities getting together to pool the resources, just like a small community of individual homes getting together to do it. This There's so much upside to this, so much upside to this because nobody is taking on the huge cost by themselves and by pooling together it's going to be such a more economical way of doing this. It's it's super exciting. And the, the sheer size and scope of it is incredible too. And the fact that it's going to take them, I think it's like three years to build this thing out in total. Um, that just kind of gives you a sense of the scope of how big this thing is going to be. That it's not just, oh, well, in six months we'll have this thing built. It's No, this is going to be a multi-year build out uh, that they're going to be doing, which is pretty cool. billion in capital investment and 600 jobs as well. To your point last week about green jobs and how they're going to factor much larger than the traditional way. The community aspect is a a good point. That's, yeah, I remember I watched that video you made. That is another, um, this is kind of like a a community aspect, but for for businesses. And um, I think that's going to be, just make it that much easier for companies to get green. Because everyone want to say that. In the future, imagine if you're the one company that doesn't say that we're carbon neutral. People come out. Could you imagine like a future ad, FedEx? Do you really want to ship your package with DHL who's not carbon neutral? Are you crazy? It could be a yeah. funny thing, but 
I think it's going to be like a, a social pressure sort of thing where everybody else is doing this and, and offsetting their carbon. And um, this will be an easy way for people to get in and say, okay, we're maybe not going to build it on ourselves, but we want to be in that group, yeah. <laughs> which is again, cool. How, how cool is that, that we'll have that kind of pressure? Yeah, I love it. Speaking I think of, it's great. Yeah, speaking, speaking, of, speaking of pressure, pick the next one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one is um, really fascinating to me. Um, this is kind of a combo. It's the, the title of the article is Ford on California's 2035 EV order. We won't concede the future to anybody. Um, basically, California Gavin Newsom came out and has basically said that ice cars will be banned for new new ice car sales will be banned by 2035. Um, this is something that we've seen in the EU and other areas of the world. And California is kind of blazing. Once again, California is blazing a trail here not waiting for the federal government to step in and do something. They're just going to do it themselves because California is the largest new car market in the country. So where California goes, pretty much the rest of the country follows. And so there's a part of this news story that I really liked because it's it's California throwing their weight around trying to get everybody on board to do this, to kind of shift things in the right direction. But on the other side, it's kind of like, I'm a little worried that they're doing this because it's... It's gonna set up a it's gonna set up a fight that could go to bad places. This is me being a little bit of a pessimist here, but um, basically how the Trump administration was pushing against, back against how the California has its own carve out where it can do its own thing. There's been pushback to make that go away, and it's like I'm worried that if California pushes too hard, there may be enough resistance that it could challenge California's ability to do this at all which so it's for me it's kind of like i'm from a pragmatic point of view it's like how do you how do you approach this there's there's a real tension here that i i find kind of fascinating yeah the president trump had kind of unwound or you know rolled back a lot of the things that obama president obama had put in place in terms of the emissions regulations and you know like getting closer to 40 miles a gallon and so you kind of rolled all that back so the first thing I'll say is, and we mentioned this, I, I believe, in episode two, um, governments really aren't going to be the solution to this um, because for that reason, one guy comes in and sets these rules, the next guy topples it over. So it's very ephemeral and it's not going to be this lasting thing. And the reason why I, I was excited about this one on the board today is, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so Gavin Newsom comes out and says, we're you know, and it was an executive order, by the way, which is another... People yeah. have different opinions about that, but he said, yeah, we're going to ban uh, internal combustion engine, gas powered and, you know, gasoline and diesel powered cars by 2035. And I think the number he picked um, is why I, I don't think this has that much teeth, because I think by then we mentioned it just economically, they're not going to make sense. I think in the next 15 years at the rate of like battery manufacturing plants being built, we're going to have so much extra battery capacity. And we're going to be building so many electric vehicles that. The average person is not going to want to deal with the, all the BS of, of a gas car. So I think by 2035, I think they'll have died, of, died just from economics alone. The second part of the story is he was standing in front of this Ford Mach-E, which I love the Ford Mach-E. I think it's a really good looking uh, crossover. Uh-huh. But he's, yeah, there it is. <laughs> he's, they have these um, billboards I saw where like, Ford is proud to announce that we're the only company uh, dedicated to reducing <laughs> greenhouse gas emissions in California or something. I'm thinking, um, what? have you heard of a little company <laughs> called Tesla <laughs> <Yeah>. who's <laughs> kind of only built electric vehicles? 
But as I read it closely, I was thinking, you know, if you, the lawyeries, they're saying reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And for Ford to say that, it's easy when your F-150, the best-selling car in America, is notorious for getting like sub-20 miles a gallon, probably, in terms of emissions. So yeah, yeah. I guess it's something, but it's a bad look. I, I think it's more probably more important just to get to work, like go to work on the R&D, ship the Mach-E, go electrify your next car. Don't worry about billboards and stuff. Like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, less talk, it, it more doing. Silly, especially. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's too funny. So uh, <laughs> to move on to the next one, uh, this this one, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing your introduction to this one. This one is uh, fascinating to me. Is this, this is mine? Yes. So I read this. <laughs> I read this article, or the title of this article, and um, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know what to think of it, because actually, it's kind of misleading in a way, because I had to yes. read it all the way through to kind of form my full opinion. So, if you just read the title, it says, GM offering Cadillac dealers up to half a million dollars to ditch the luxury brand. So, yes. <laughs> the reason why this is funny is, I think Cadillac, I think GM's approach has been, look, We'll keep selling the Chevy line and we'll keep selling the Buick line. And then we'll electrify some lower volume brands. Like Cadillac isn't a huge high volume seller for GM. So I think their plan is to electrify all Cadillacs by like the year 2030. Yep. So for that reason, what there's what they're what I was thinking is, wait, so you're saying you're gonna electrify all your Cadillacs and then you're talking about paying dealers to ditch Cadillac uh, sales. And so that sounds really bad. But actually if you read it, it's much more good news than you might think. So one thing that these automotive, the legacy automakers have as a weight around their neck that like Tesla and Lucid Rivian will not is the dealerships, this franchise model of selling through these third party dealerships, which I can, I hate to generalize, but I think everybody hates them. Um, but it's another huge weight because if GM says, okay, we want to have Cadillacs and they're all going to be electric. Well, their dealers might have an opinion about that and say, I don't think our customers want to buy these. And I'm not, I'm not going to stock up uh, a quarter of our showroom with these electric cars that we don't think our, our customers want to buy. And GM is kind of at the mercy of these um, dealerships. And they cannot sell their cars directly because of all these franchise automotive laws that are put into place in a lot of these states. It's a truly non-capitalistic BS system. And I think it has to get toppled because what they're offering to do is buy out the Cadillac portion of these companies' businesses. So between $300,000 and $500,000 is what it would cost. And yeah. so if they have, let's say, a 1,000 Cadillac dealers in the U.S., like you can do the math, it's going to cost like a billion dollars to buy these or $2 billion to, to buy them all out. But that's the cost it'll be. So when people say, oh, as soon as legacy car makers want to build electric cars, Tesla's like, I don't think you understand how much baggage they carry. And this is one of those examples of how they do it. Because there were stories in the past about people not carrying Bolt EVs. Hey, I'm here for a Bolt. Oh, yeah, go somewhere else. We don't have them. We don't carry them in our showrooms. We've instead got another Silverado yep. pickup truck or something. Yep. So I think it's good news. And I think what it tells me is that Cadillac is hoping to buy this back. And maybe their goal is, because they're going to invest $20 billion or whatever it is, their goal maybe is, we want to get this back. And maybe we can directly sell Cadillac EVs to consumers like Tesla does. Yeah, it's it's like you said, the, the title of the article was a little misleading. I still find it really funny that a company basically has to buy out their dealers 
to basically get them to put up or shut up and get out because otherwise there's like no incentive for them to sell these cars because they're gonna make less money on them so it's basically like giving them an out to basically just get out of the business do whatever you want to do but this is where we're going so get on board or just shut up is basically what they're doing so on one side i'm like you go gm it's like it's it's nice to see them making this move it's sad that they have to make this move and it also just goes to show why tesla's model of selling cars is probably going to be the future of all car companies. I could totally see Ford going this direction, you know, VW going this direction. I could totally see the dealership model kind of crumbling the way it is today and kind of coming out in a completely different way in the future. But it's <laughs> when when this when you added this to the list of stories that you thought we should talk about and I pulled it up, I was just I was I could not stop laughing. It was just like you got you got to be kidding me. They're going to pay people to stop selling their cars. <laughs> Oh, and it's a so lot funny. of money. It's a lot of money. But yeah. it's it's a lot of money. But when you look at the the big picture, it's it's not really that much for a company like GM to do this. So it's like it was kind of surprising to me that it's it's a lot of it's a billion dollars. But in the grand scheme of things, they can afford it. So it's it's a nice way for them to kind of transition out and then to help those dealerships that are in a pinch and they they can't afford to stick with it. So it's it's making the best of a bad situation. <laughs> Yeah, I think every one of these legacy companies is having a different kind of moment where they're struggling with this. Yeah. And I think GM's idea was, well, electric cars are a little bit more expensive now, so why not go with a premium brand like Cadillac? Mm-hmm. And the second thing is the Cadillac, you know, it's a lower volume um, brand, so let's make that electric. But I actually think it's the wrong approach because Cadillacs to me are like cars for old people. Like the average, what's the average age of a Cadillac buyer? Like 58, okay? Those are the people probably who are less likely to want to buy an electric car. So you're in a way, you're screwing yourself twice because the people who want to buy Cadillacs are not going to want to buy the cars you're going to start making. And the people who want to buy electric cars don't want to buy a Cadillac. So I actually think the right approach here is to, for all these companies, is imagine like a grassroots movement where you start a new car company like Saturn, like uh, GM made Saturn in the in the 90s, I think. But imagine building a brand new car company with some cool name and being the, the, the primary shareholder in the company. That would be GM's involvement. Like imagine an entirely different structure where you have like new ideas. You don't have like the, the CEO of GM. Um, she doesn't strike me as a person with like really great leadership or vision in this space, at least not now. That might change. But imagine having an entirely different like operating C-staff and marketing materials and a logo and their own thing, but they were owned by GM and that was the end of it. So now you can continue to build Cadillacs that Cadillac buyers wanna buy. And as soon as that part of your business gets big enough, you can slowly transition there. But that I think is probably the better approach. I don't know that it makes sense for people who like Cadillac to, or to force them to go electric. What do you think about that? What's the right way for these companies to do this? I would actually challenge your notion that older people don't want to buy EVs because I have quite a few people on my channel that reach out to me about, I just bought a model Y, I just bought a model three and they're 60 plus years old. Like they're, some people have even joked, this is the last car I'm ever going to buy making a joke that they'll be dead by the time (laughs) that the car needs to be replaced. But it's like, I think there's, I think there's a wide spectrum of buyers that are looking for EVs. I could totally see a group of, older buyers that don't want to get a Tesla because they see it as too 
on the cutting edge and the, all the software and the screen in the middle. I don't want any of that stuff. And it's like, and then here comes, you know, GM saying, hey, here's a catalog. Here's the car that you, you already own. It's just an EV. I'm wondering if it's going to be ticking a box for a lot of people that it, Tesla is not ticking for them today. So I would actually challenge and say, I think it's actually kind of a, potentially a smart move to do what they're doing because they're going to be filling a zone that is completely vacant right now. So it's like they're going to, instead of trying to go head on with Tesla, they're kind of going kind of like around it and trying to target a completely different demographic, which is, I think, a smart approach, in my opinion. Wow, that's a great point. That's a great point. I, I also, I see commenters who are older who are, the, the, the common theme is, I don't want to wait around anymore. I want to do yeah. something for the planet. I want to like do my part to transition. So I think a lot of people have been on the sidelines waiting for for something. And yeah, maybe Tesla is very hip and very cutting edge and like software mm -hmm. updates every week and all this stuff. And maybe people just want the electric part without all the crazy high tech modern yeah. uh, wizardry. So interesting. Okay, uh, I'll give you that. That's a good point. Um, but what are will, the numbers? Will it, like, will, will it play out that way? I have no yeah. idea, but I could totally but see this being in your mind. Yeah, go ahead. Now I was gonna say, realistically in your mind, what what's the percent? So you have a hundred Cadillac buyers. What percent right. are the people you're describing, and what percent are the old fashioned, old school? I just want a Cadillac because my last car was a Cadillac, and don't don't bring me any of that electric vehicle I, jazz right now. I think it's a I think it's a pretty small percentage. I think it's probably like a thirty seventy split. I think it's probably like a third of their buyers would be like, yeah, I'm. I'll get that electric vehicle and the other 70% are probably like, no way. That, well, that, this is pretty good. Yeah. And this is one of those things like somebody brings home an electric Cadillac, uh, like the Lyric It was actually a really good looking one, I think. Yeah. And they show their friends, their old, you know, their own, you know, their older friends. And that's how you get, it's how you win people over. So let's sure. hope that they're serious because even though the article seems ridiculous, um, it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. good news. So, so we do have a little bit of extra time for a quick, like little bonus story here. Um, let me just pull it up. So this one, this one just caught my eye because uh, Tesla launched basically a web page specifically for recruiting for battery researchers to work at their new battery research facility. Um, I just thought this was really, really cool because it shows two things. It shows that there's a shortage of talent that's out there in this that they're. Tr desperately trying to find the cream of the crop to come work for them. And then two, it shows just how much they're trying to ramp up their facility. They really clearly are trying to ramp this up to become probably one of the premier battery companies in the world on their own, uh, pulling an Apple trick, essentially, uh, where they just kind of come out of nowhere. It's like, who needs LG Chem? We're doing our own thing, and we got the best batteries on the planet because we have all the top researchers, and we're just breaking ground everywhere. Um, kind of like what Apple did with their M1 processor that just blew everybody away. It's like I, I see this as like the seed of that. So like, take this, fast forward five to ten years, and I think Tesla is going to be <laughs> in a really crazy cool position. Did you notice where the positions were? Like what location? Um, it's website? in the. Uh, let me look. It doesn't say. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Doesn't say. I'm kind of curious, is it going to be California? This is kind of more about like Elon's had some feuds with California and I completely get it. It's it's a tough, it can be tough to do business here. It's pretty expensive in terms of 
how much we pay for taxes and stuff. But I'm curious if they're going to be kind of divesting from California and maybe hiring more people in like Giga Austin, for example, to me kind of seems like the place where you would expand if you're going to grow as a business. Um, so I'm going to, I was kind of curious about that. It's a really good point. You know, one of the videos I want to do on my channel is the future of jobs, because I don't think a lot of people don't fully understand how like radically like different the future of jobs is going to be. So battery research, if you like chemistry uh, and you think about studying chemistry at university, please consider the battery space. I think it's going to be incredibly lucrative, especially because this is going to power everything that we do for the next hundred years. So it's not going to be like, all right, this is a good battery game over. No, it's never going to end. It's always going to be, how can we get a little bit better? What's the next thing? Is it solid state? Is it this? Is it some new material or a less exotic material? And um, that's going to be a really lucrative place to be. And if, yeah, for the engineers and researchers and scientists, but even just like if you're in the manufacturing side, there's going to be tons of jobs and if we're going to be building battery plants, why not in the countries where they're going to sell the cars? Like, could you have imagined that we'd be building battery manufacturing in America in a time when we were outsourcing and offshoring everything else? But here we are with the Gigafactory in Nevada, which I think was one of the great moments of our time, the opening of that plant. It kind of just yeah. showed there's no reason why you can't build these cars here. The Teslas are built in Fremont, California. Who would have thought you'd ever build a car in California? It's a crazy, absurd no. notion, but here we are. So I think the these kinds of things really bode well for the future. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. I'm, it's really cool to see where this is all going. So Matt, you ready to move out to California and work on some battery tech for, for Tesla? No. 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 <laughs> I'm an East Coast guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, they I built a that. factory out here. Then maybe I'll, maybe we'll talk. <laughs> Have you had a chance to get out to the uh, the New York, the the solar factory, the the one that's in Buffalo? No, I haven't yet. I, I really want to go out there, but I haven't had a chance to go. It's maybe on the after agenda. all the COVID stuff. We can yeah. Exactly. We can when things when things calm down a little bit, uh, maybe I'll go then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, this is this is um. This is episode three. This will be a podcast as well. We'll put links in the description. And uh, are we ready? What do you think? We've done three of these now. Are we ready to go live? Or I think we're think ready to go live. I think, I think we sh I think we should try it next time. So it's the next time we'll we'll put a early marker up to let everybody know exa exactly what time to tune in. But yeah, I think we should try live for the next one. Yeah. So we, our idea, and by the way, the comments have been pretty positive. I'm happy to hear that people are liking the show. And a lot of comments have actually kind of mentioned make them longer. So I think the way we do that is we keep it around 30 minutes for us. And then if we're live, we take questions from the audience and we'll have fun with it. Yeah, should be fun. Absolutely. What could go wrong? I mean, no, nothing could possibly go wrong. No one's ever. <laughs> how hard, how hard could a live stream be? <laughs> I think we'll, it's going to be. We'll find uh, out next yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. I will say, yeah. I saw him at my parents' house. Um, Everything went smoothly. My mom and dad and my wife and my kids all went on a walk and <laughs> they bought me enough time to make this recording. So yeah, I'm happy about that. And next week I'll be back home. So uh, for anybody who's watching, happy Thanksgiving and the whole week. Hope you guys all had fun with your families and uh, had a little little respite from all the crazy of, of 2020. Yeah. And if you think we've earned it, make sure you, you subscribe to this channel. Go to viceversa.show for the podcast if you want to listen to the audio version. And uh, we'll, we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>